0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right, guys. Uh, I just want to reiterate a couple things. What we just did is symbolic, all right? This was not a salvation experience. This is you guys reflecting on the things that we've talked about this week, the things that um, maybe the Holy Spirit has shown you in your own heart, uh, things that need to be done away with because they're they're chains, they're baggage, bondage that He sets you free from. They're things that y'all don't need to be carrying around anymore. All right? That's what you guys are getting rid of with those rocks, and I hope that the Holy Spirit just showed each and every one of you something that um, maybe you've just been holding on to that you, it's weighing you down, and you need to be rid of it, okay? Freedom's horizon is where we're going this evening, all right? Um, I'm going to be brief with you, and... Uh, those of you that are waiting for shout outs, I'll give you those at the end before we leave. OK, so bear with me for a few minutes. And I. Is that a radio or is one of you sassing me? That was a radio. OK, all right. That's what I thought, but I just wanted to be want to be sure. Um, Freedom's horizon. Where, where do we go with what we've talked about and what we've um, discovered this week? That's what I want to share with you all. Um, this evening. And I want to give you guys some encouragement because the reality is you guys have kind of been living in a bubble for the last week and you haven't had your phones and you haven't had your social media and you haven't had all of these things that you probably don't realize but bring great anxiety to you and things like that. You haven't had to deal with difficult relationships at home. You've been able to be here and you've been able to be with friends and the sad reality is we can't stay at camp forever. Uh, we have to go home and so I want to encourage you guys on on some things that uh, I hope you'll take home with you and kind of put into practice and the 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 other hope is that some of you are going to be leaving differently than you came um, The hope is that that uh you picked up on some things this week, and the Lord has, has worked in your heart with some of these things this week. And as you leave the ranch tomorrow, um, you leave differently than, than you came in. Um, and if you leave tomorrow and say, you know, I really don't feel any different than I did when I came, I, I hope you at least realize this. I hope you realize that there is a God who created you, who knows you, and who loves you despite all the junk in your life, okay? Know that. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. I read that verse and my mind goes back to the video I showed you last night with the sheep. You know, the shepherd frees it from that trench, and, and it's, it's free, right? It should you know, go away from the trench that it knows can um, ensnare it. And yet, what does it do? It runs right along beside the trench and then yeets itself back into the trench. Galatians 5.1, at the heart of it, says don't do that. You've been set free. Walk in freedom. Don't go back to the junk that previously enslaved you. You go down Galatians 5, a few verses to verse 13 and verse 14, and we see a similar command. It says, you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You guys saw that already in the video a few minutes ago. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what I want us to focus on as we close out our week. I want us to have a new outlook on freedom, and I also want to answer the question that some of you have already mentioned to me that you have. Where do we go from here? Like, say last night I gave my life to Jesus. What do I do now? Some of you have talked to me about, you know, I gave my life to Jesus in the past, and but I haven't. I don't feel any different. I haven't progressed. I don't. What am I doing wrong? What should I be doing? That's what I want to answer for you guys this evening. Okay, and it's already been spelled out for you in these verses. Specifically, there, Galatians 5:13. At the end of it, uh, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." I won't bore you guys with church history, but if you were to go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's gone to the grave. He's risen from the grave. A period of time has passed and he appears to his followers one final time before he ascends to the right hand of God. And he tells his apostles this, his, his followers. He says, you guys are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, in Judea, the area around Jerusalem, in Samaria, uh, north of Jerusalem, where the Jewish people didn't like to go. and then he says to all the ends of the earth." And so Jesus gives them a command. He said, "You're going to be my witnesses, you're going to go, you're going to tell other people about me, but you're going to do it in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. y'all, when you Pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart, to fill you, to save you. He sends you His Spirit. And so as we're talking about laying down your burdens and and, and ridding yourself of of bondage and things that, that ensnare you, like you can't do that on your own in the flesh. But the Spirit of God in you now you've got something to work with, okay? So don't, don't, as I'm talking to you about these things this evening, don't think that, oh man, that's awesome. I need to try harder at that. No, 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 no. What you do is you yield yourself to the, to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will do those things through you, okay? All right, so let me go to the Gospel of Mark. All right, the Gospel of Mark. Who's heard of the feeding of the 4,000? All right. A couple dozen of you heard of the feeding of the 4,000. Miraculous thing. Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's teaching. As he's teaching, the crowd of people following him just grows and grows and grows. And, um, and after a period of three days, the people start to get really hungry. <laughs> and uh, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, what are we going to do? You know, these people have been with us for days, And we don't have enough food to feed them, and if we send them on their way, then they're going to faint on their way home because they've had nothing to eat. Now this happens in an area called the Decapolis, which was on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. And if I were to just tell you a couple things about the general area of the Decapolis, it was an area full of really wicked people. Um, People that that worshipped idols, people that sacrificed their children, uh, people that were just deep and dark and dirty and and, in sin. They were were wicked people. And yet that's where Jesus is ministering when he feeds 4,000 people. So he says to the disciples, how much food do we have? And they say, oh, we got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He says, we'll bring it here. He gets it together. He blesses it. And a miracle occurs. He just starts handing food to the disciples to hand out to the people. And when it's all said and done with, 4,000 people are fed. Now that's a miracle. Can we agree on that? That's a miracle. And when that's over, like if I'm one of the disciples, if I'm one of the guys that's just hanging out with Jesus all the time and following Him and watching Him do all these things, when those people finally left, I'd puff my chest out. I'd, I'd bow up a little bit and feel real proud and say, I think we just witnessed something kind of like revival. You know, those people followed us around for days because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. We we would feel really good about what just took place. But let me tell you something. That was the second time that Jesus and the disciples had been to the area known as the Decapolis. And so having told you a little bit about the feeding of the 4,000, I want to go back and read to you about the first visit that Jesus and the disciples had to the region of the Decapolis, all right? Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, they came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. Now, this is Jesus and the disciples, and if we were to back up a few verses, you would read that they're, they're in their boat crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up, and it's a gnarly storm, too. And waves are crashing over the side of the boat, and the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus is asleep. And and they finally shake him and wake him up, and they're like, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die here. Jesus gets up, and just like you would talk to a dog and tell it what to do, Jesus talks to the wind, and he talks to the waves, and he says, Peace be still. And just like that, everything calms down. And you can imagine if you put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, they were terrified that the storm, you know, they thought they were going to drown. You know, after Jesus commands nature and nature listens, it says the disciples were terrified. (laughs) Like they're terrified of seeing nature respond to the commands of Jesus. It's awesome. So the, anyway, I say that to say they're already a little bit on edge when they, when they come to the Decapolis, the region of the Decapolis. Um, so going back to Mark 5, verse 2, it says, When he got out of the boat, this is Jesus, Jesus. They get to shore. Jesus gets out of the boat. And it says, When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. That means he lived like in the graveyard. And no one was able to bind him anymore with a chain. And this is not like, hey, this dude's freedom bound. It's this dude is possessed by it. He has a a legion of demons in him. And it gives me the eebie-jeebies. But it says, no one was able to bind him even with a chain because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him. This is the kind of person you see when you go to the deep, dark, dirty, you know, lost, sinful place. Like, this is the worst of the worst outcast. And that's the welcoming committee for Jesus and the disciples. nobody They can't even chain him up. They can't bind him. There's nothing they can do. And verse 6 says, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and he bowed down before him, shouting with a loud voice. He said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. In this language that we're seeing here, <laughs> um, it's just showing the, the submissive spirit of this legion of demons that's possessing this guy. Um, they understand that when they meet Jesus, they've met their match and they have no authority there. Um, Verse 9, he was asking him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain, and the demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Now, can you just envision being one of the disciples and all the, the, the mental exhaustion of, you know, the storm the night before and then getting to the area of the Decapolis and witnessing all of this taking place? It would have been mentally just exhausting, but this happens, and verse 14 says, the herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was uh, that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right, man, in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. So you see again this weird pattern. Now the people from the Decapolis come and they see their social outcast who they hadn't been able to do anything with and he's calm and he's wearing clothes and he's not screaming or cutting himself with stones. He's just sitting there normal. You know, Fred or Bill or whatever you want to call him. He's just hanging out with Jesus and the disciples and they're frightened by that. They're frightened by that and they asked him to leave their region. Imagine that. Jesus just fixes their biggest social problem, and they're like, we're going to need you to leave. Verse 18 says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. Again, if you have any imagination left, put yourself into the shoes of that guy. What would that have been like? be in a body that wasn't even really your body because of what inhabited it. And we don't know his background. We don't know if that's something he brought on himself. We, we just we don't know. But we know that he was anything but free. And we know that Jesus comes to him and speaks a word. And at the word of Jesus, evil flees. The enemy flees. And this man is restored. And so it's completely understandable that when, when Jesus, he doesn't cause a fuss, he doesn't cause a fight, he gets back into his boat. And this guy comes to Jesus at the boat and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. Wouldn't you? If he just saved your life, would you want to go with him? It's a beautiful request, but verse 19 says he didn't let him. Says, no, you can't, you can't go with me. Here's why. He said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. You guys see the connection there? The first time Jesus goes, he doesn't even get off the shore before they ask him to leave. The second time he goes back, he's so popular, thousands of people follow him around for days. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because someone... I know that you're going to know the answer to this. Do you think it's because someone who experienced the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus and was set free by him, did what he asked them to do, I'm going to suggest to you that there's a pretty good probability that that's what happened. And I love telling this story because this guy, this formerly demon-possessed man, he spent the time that he spent with Jesus could have been measured in minutes. And yet he goes back and people see him and they say, isn't that that Fred? Man, wasn't he crazy? Look at him now. Fred, what happened? Fred says, man, I met Jesus. Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. What about Jesus? I don't know. He saved me. He restored me. He freed me. Guys, I remember being your age. And I remember being terrified at the idea of having to share Jesus with other people. Because inevitably, questions are going to come, and and, and there's going to be questions that I don't know. Uh, If that's you, don't let that stop you from sharing Jesus. If Jesus has done something in your life, tell people. This is not the only example of that in Scripture. Uh, I was just saying a few minutes ago, there was Uh, the story of a man born blind, and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath and just makes the religious leaders furious. And so they keep bringing this guy that had been born blind in and saying, tell us about Jesus. Tell us where he is. Tell us this, tell us that. Finally, he throws his hands up and he says, I don't know. I don't know anything about Jesus other than that his name is Jesus and that I was blind, but now I see. Guys, if Jesus has changed you, if he has freed you, then you have a testimony and you have a word and you have a command in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to be his witness wherever it is that you go. And that's where you start. Guys, as you walk with him, as you learn more about him, as you build that relationship by reading his word and by spending time in prayer and by fellowshipping with other believers. The rest of that stuff's going to come. But this is where you start. God doesn't save us so that we can surround ourselves by surround ourselves with comfortable people and comfortable situations and live comfortable lives. He saves us so that we can join him in kingdom work. One last thing, and then I'm going to stop. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus ascended to heaven for the final time, that was him in his physical body going to heaven. You guys know something? He has a new body, and his new body is the church. Believers like you and me and so just like we see him doing amazing things in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he wants to continue to do amazing things through his new body, which is the church. And if you're in Christ Jesus and he is in you, then you are a part of that church. And he has called you to join him in that work. For freedom that you have been set free, not so that you can go back and waller in whatever previously had a hold on you, but so that you can go forward and you can serve and you can build with him through his power, the kingdom. And then one day you can stand before him and hear those words, "Hey, well done. Let's bow, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the accounts in, in your word that uh, just are so encouraging to us and bring us uh, joy and, and excitement for what the future holds. God, I pray over each and every heart here this evening. Some, you may still be working. Some of these kiddos here this evening, maybe they still feel like that demon-possessed man and sin has a hold on them. Father, uh, continue working on them and in them, drawing them to yourself, helping them to see that uh, they're in desperate need of a Savior. and You're the only one that can provide the saving. Father, for those that do know you and, and enjoy a relationship with you, Lord, would you put a desire in their hearts for ministry, a desire in their hearts for service. Lord, give them opportunities, bring people into their lives that are going to come alongside them and encourage them and just um, walk with them. as They seek to do the things that you've called them to do. Father, I thank you again for our time together this week. uh, We just give the glory and honor to you for everything that's been done and everything that will be done